Welcome, welcome, welcome to another fabulous episode of Galactica Actually. I am Adiala Jackson and I'm Jamie Smith. And today we're be- we'll be covering uh, the s- first part of one of the better two-part episodes of season one, which is Acts of Contrition. I wanted to read really quickly a prayer from the Act of Contrition, which is uh, like a rite in the Catholic Church. Um, I thought it was really interesting because it kind of, you know, obviously ties directly into um, the plight of uh, one Miss Cara Thrace Starbuck. Um, And it goes like this. My God, I am sorry for my sins with all my heart in choosing to do wrong and failing to do good. I have sinned against you, whom I should love above all things. I firmly intend with your help to do penance to sin no more, and to avoid whatever leads me to sin. Our Savior Jesus Christ suffered and died for us. In his name, my God, have mercy. Obviously, in the uh, from 12 colonies, it would be my gods, um, perhaps speaking to, Ju- to Zeus. Um, but the idea of her, um, uh, what Kara Thrace goes through in this episode, and this uh, prayer... It's really interesting to me how it ends up playing out. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that they called it active contrition for a reason. Probably because of that prayer, I guess, or just the act of atoning or Mm -hmm. feeling guilt to where you feel like you need to pay for something bad that you did to someone else i'm not a religious person so Mm -hmm. i don't really have a lot of thoughts on what is in the bible yeah not the religious part i'm not talking about that it's a it's the actual it's a human nature right yeah the the concept of it i understand and i definitely think that kara is going through exactly that in here where she is sort of forced to face the guilt that she's feeling. She doesn't want to be put in a position to have that kind of power over these new pilots. She doesn't, I don't even think it's that she doesn't trust herself. It's that she doesn't think that she deserves to be able to instruct anybody ever again because she made a bad decision that led to somebody's death. And then there is the um, sort of being put into the position where she has to confess it to to Adama, who she has developed such a strong relationship with. And knowing that this could change that and, and maybe never fix it. Mm-hmm. Little does she know, all she had to do was crash on a moon and it would be fixed. <laughs> it's all you need to do just a little little thing um it's all you know another thing that's interesting when i kind of think about this episode is it's like almost purely drama it's like almost purely a drama this episode there's not very much in terms of um you know 
Cylons and fighting. There are some aspects of it, but it really is about their emotions about things um, and their relationships to each other and how, in this episode, how it breaks down. And I went at, you know, again, for over the years when people I knew were not into sci-fi and I would tell them how great this show was, I would always tell them, like, just you know, think of it as a drama and not as, like, pew-pew spaceships flying mm-hmm. because it really is, um, like, a drama that happens to have some space stuff that happens every once in a while. And they almost always came back to me, like, you're so right. I love the show, you know, so... Yeah. I really think it's it's universal in that way because um, we can all relate to you know all of these things like contrition. That I feel like this episode, it's really the first one that, like I said last week, that the one where the next one is the one where I was like, oh my god, here we go, I'm mm-hmm. in. But this is the first one that doesn't feel episodic, even though it's. Here we are, we're getting a little bit deeper into who Kara Thrace is and what her relationship with Zach was and how she met Adama. And we can see that in the funeral scene, Lee is standing with his mom. Adama's on the other side of the casket with Starbuck and holds her hand and he's just met her. The bond that they have together that happened almost instantly, that, you know, one little moment really informs later when she admits to him what she did and how he reacts to it how he's like leave now while you still can which was our biggest fear like that's this all while you know we had a boomer episode we had a lee episode this is not lost where every episode really is focusing on one person primarily even though it is but it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't, it does. The flashbacks don't feel like lost flashbacks. Yeah, def- definitely not. We won't go into that. Well, we won't because we'll fight. <laughs> when lost was great, it was great. Um, but I, so I watched this show multiple times, but this was the first time. And I think I told you yesterday, uh, offline, that this was the first time I almost cried on this episode. Like, when I think about it, it's always on the second episode that I almost cry. But this time watching it, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm almost going to cry. What almost made you um, cry? Uh, when the scene when um, when Adama and Starbuck are having their confrontation, when she has to admit what she did and... Just really like analyzing Adama's reaction and how he plays the scene, like uh, Ed, Edward James almost plays the scene and his response and just like the weight of everything. Um, it's just, it's like her eagerness to be loved by him and admit that she made a mistake, but his, uh, his, his you know, his reticence to like, he doesn't give her what she's looking for. And I just, oh, God, just <laughs> watch, watching that whole dynamic. And, like, she breaks down and cries, which is something you don't really see from her very often in that moment. But it's also, you know, I talk about this a lot with Adama, noticing just how stoic he is. But, you know, there's just, when she comes into his um, his cabin earlier in the episode when he's 
first telling her about wanting to um wanting her to train the pilots the nuggets he's like smiley and relaxed mm-hmm. and he's he's not like that around anybody else no like, he's ever. not so to see them go from that to where, where what happens later in the episode is just like a, you know they they really i really bought into the scene in um in a way that i hadn't really maybe i didn't um realize or recognize or maybe i'm just a little older and have a better understanding of how broken we all are and can <laughs> be that it, that it just uh it just really hit home a little bit more i think too um we haven't seen a whole lot of these two adama and starbuck together we certainly mm-hmm. haven't seen any scenes before now of the two of them alone together Mm -hmm. so we're really understanding especially the flashbacks where we see how they met after zach and he found out that they were engaged after zach died that in a lot of ways she was his last connection to zach because his relationship with lee sort of fractured either because of the divorce or i don't know if it was you know because of the divorce or because of Zach's death and how he, I don't know, but their, their relationship fractured and he was able to gain a daughter through this death. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot tied in, but we don't see him let his guard down because what we're seeing is him being official. The few moments we've had of Adama being Bill and not being commander Adama are very few. Like it was that scene with Rosalind in the books. And even then he wasn't relaxed, but he was a little more, uh, he let his guard down a little bit, but mostly it's just been, you know, he's in business mode. And this is one of the first times that we're seeing him like being himself, taking off the uniform. I mean, he's not even like this around, um, around Ty, like not to the degree that he is. No, not really. The way, yeah. Like they're, they're more like chummy, buddy i guess but like he yeah he just the way he sits down and smiles and just like you, you know can see how much he like, loves her like he actually yeah. loves her yeah like i think that he values his friendship with ty but ty is a mess and so ty has always been somebody that that adama has had to cover for take care of yes yeah you know like it's his best friend but my best friend is a walking disaster half the time Mm-hmm. But here's this girl who also lost somebody that she loved, and that person also was my son. Mm-hmm. We bond over this grief, but she doesn't have family to speak of. She doesn't like we all, all we have is each other, so it's just different. I think he he like just truly truly loves her. And then in that moment, he gets confronted with you know the idea, I guess, of like you know, there's a piece of their relationship that's always been a lie and yeah i think that's another you know unspoken sort of uh, we're gonna get to it later but <laughs> it's like i'm starting to think about like how he handles the scene right after and it's just it's also great but let's we kind of started this episode and in media res quite like the actual episode starts so we started kind of in the middle and uh, so does the episode so it starts with starbuck um, in her cockpit in the middle of uh, some kind of um, some kind of sequence where 
her um, um, she's in distress, right? So you can hear alarms firing close up to her helmet. She's looking around and we'll keep jumping back to this moment um, throughout the episode as they keep flashing back to it. Then we immediately jump back to the start of our story where we're in the midst of celebration. So we see a character named Flattop who we met previous episode, the pilot. I think it, I think from this episode appears he was a raptor pilot. Yeah. And he, his, his com- compatriots are uh, celebrating, lifting him up on their shoulders. And it turns out that it's his 1,000th landing. And apparently that's a big deal uh, on ships. And so they... You know, they want to celebrate it. And uh, Chief walks up on the scene. He's like, hey, what's going on? And they tell him it's his thousandth landing. And he's like, oh, my God, why didn't anybody tell me? We're going to look stupid. Um, so they have this makeshift celebration. Then it jumps to Kara and Lee, who, again, the their relationship in this scene is so much different than we've seen before in the show and also in this episode. So this is probably the most unguarded, most unofficial, most human that we've seen Lee so far. And Starbuck is having fun, but not self-destructive fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so they are sort of like preparing um, for this um, celebration. Um, and there's a whole sequence with like them painting a like trying to paint 1000 on the helmet uh for flat top and then adama comes in and like you know grumbly stoic he kind of uh sees them preparing and then uh, with like they knock over the paint on the floor and i thought someone's it was really gonna funny. have he's to like, clean that up see, yeah he's like he's always like the dad that's what i wrote in my my notes like uh, adama ever the dad he can't laugh um then, as they're celebrating uh, on the deck, before we get to that, to th- there's the whole yeah. Starbuck telling Lee the story of Adama's thousandth landing. Oh yeah, and it's yeah. like Lee hasn't. I get the impression that Lee has not heard this story before, but mm-hmm. Starbuck knows mm-hmm. it well enough to retell it. Yeah, which also says a lot about their relationship. Yeah. Like, there's definitely, like, a closeness that Starbuck has that he just doesn't know that side of his dad's life. There's a distance between him and his dad. And, again, I don't know if that goes back to his parents' divorce. I don't remember if they ever say how young the kids were when the divorce happened. Um, But it seems like if sides were taken, Lee took their mom's side. Yeah, I seem to recall that at some point in the series he brings that up about it might have been in the miniseries, something about mom, you left mom, something like in that. In the miniseries, he mentions that his mom is getting remarried. Uh-huh. They do go into it at some point. I think it's later. It, it's And if, I feel like he's lashing out at him because of something. Um, but, yeah, I think there's multiple things. Again, like just like mo- any family, right? Yep. Like they, there can be multiple things. So it's like I think the for the show um, – Plot-wise, it's Zach's death, but he's never really had a... I don't get the impression he's ever really had a great relationship with his father. It's been serviceable mm-hmm. <laughs> over the over the years. <clears throat> well, and Adama's been basically in the military the whole time. So he mm-hmm. probably was pretty absent 
Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Yeah. So here's Kara who served with Adama and got to not just build a relationship with him on that professional level, but she was she was assigned to the same ship as him. Whether that ship yeah. is being de- decommissioned or not, she's still assigned to, with him as her commander. So they had this time that Lee has never had until now. Yeah, and Adama does mention a little bit later that this that she's been on the ship for the last two years. So, yeah. Again, my impression is that once um, once Zach's death happened, he might have like you know pulled strings or had her brought to Galactica and then that's kind of how they... I think that's probably exactly true yeah so uh yeah so the off to the side of the celebration um there is a I think they call it like a probe it's drone a, yeah it's a drone a, re, a recon drone it looks like a missile um but it uh there's a strap that loosens and eventually the drone falls on the ground and it ignites and it rushes right toward the celebrating pilots um, that are spinning flat top around in the circle. And the poor flat top, the last thing we see is his stunned face. <laughs> <laughs> and then we hear, we cut to uh, Adama, Starbuck and Apollo walking down a corridor and we hear an explosion and they rush off and we, cut to our opening scene so i read in my companion that originally they wanted to show almost like a montage of all of these instances of a bunch of pilots getting killed in a battle in battles with the cylon raiders but it was too expensive to shoot so they went for this on-deck accident that killed off a lot of pilots all at once because what they needed was huh. to get to a point where Starbuck had to start training new pilots. Okay. Um, but I think this works better because this is just one of those things that can happen. It's just mm-hmm. the ship is old. It was going to be turned into a museum. Things just sort of fell through the cracks because they didn't need to maintain them. They didn't need mm-hmm. to maintain these straps and the metal clasp that's holding the straps because it probably wasn't supposed to be on the ship anymore it was going to be a museum yeah because it's been two weeks apparently and um since yeah. the miniseries and yeah the like that at this point in time that ship just yeah no one would be on it it would be a gift shop or whatever right they would have removed all of the munitions including things like the drones and the missiles and whatever yeah although Another instance of Mr. One Galen Terrell is it <laughs> not uh, doing his job well. <laughs> is it his job or was it the Master at Arms job? I, it's, I, I assumed it's his job. It's sort of like, you know, they need to be able to make sure that everything's in working order and safety. I don't know what the version of OSHA is uh, in <laughs> <laughs> 12 colonies Look, but, it's really um, really difficult to keep <laughs> having to fix these old vipers over and over again he he felt a little like so the scene after you know you see the aftermath and um the a master in arm she's you know kind of she gives us a ex, expositional breakdown just like uh you know 13 it's like 13 pilots die and another seven or eight or whatever seven and, and sick um, bay. Yeah, sick bay. 
she you know she tells us the straps were broken it was bound to happen and all this stuff and Tyrrell it's it's kind of it was kind of funny to me because Tyrrell's just sort of like you know I he's like I've never had a death on my on my deck before got injuries before but never a death another never a death and he was kind of distant about it like it wasn't his fault like he wasn't the guy in charge or something like uh somebody else's problem i took it more as that he was in shock yeah no he no he definitely was in shock it was just me like kind of just laughing a little bit why are you such a why such a chief hater (laughs) i love the chief what are you talking about (laughs) trying to blame him for this accident i love it especially when he becomes like martha ray what's 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 norma ray (laughs) norma ray what did i say martha ray (laughs) yeah when he becomes norma ray it's my favorite version of chief actually my favorite version of chief is when he's a freedom fighter yeah oh yeah definitely oh god i can't wait till we get to those episodes i know i know God, give me new Caprica. Uh, uh, anyways, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this so stuff we, is all good too, but yeah, I'm no, like it's halfway, great. I'm almost halfway through season two, and okay. man, season two is just banger after banger. Oh man, every episode is so good. Yeah, it's so good. Oh yeah, that first. Oh, anyways, <laughs> we're gonna get there. <laughs> um. So we go through a bunch of uh, sort of like flashback scenes going back to when uh, Adama first meets Starbuck back when mm-hmm. Zack had died. So they're back. I'm assuming it's on Caprica. It could be anywhere in the colonies on a like military base. And then we're jumping to the uh, funeral procession. So we get to see the lovely Alosha again. I always love it when she shows up. Um, and she's giving like, whatever rights that they have. And then it flashes back to uh, the funeral that they had for Zach when he passed. What do I know Alosha from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I like recognize her from anything other than Battlestar. I'm sure she's been on some other, other shows, but I'm not really sure. All right. I'm going to look her up while we continue to talk. Yeah. One thing I noted was that the uh, priest um, in the flashback sequence was wearing like a daishiki. <laughs> Not a daishiki, like a kinta cloth. <laughs> that, like oh. African-American. <laughs> was he? <laughs> yeah, he was. I thought that was a that was an yeah, interesting because he definitely. appropriate. Yeah, because he definitely wasn't like, he definitely was not black. Um, but nope. uh, it, but actually actually it's a to me it's a nice touch because it just it's the one thing about the show like they had all of our modern sensibilities but they always did like little things that were a little bit different to kind of signal that it this actually was a different like reality so i actually i noticed it and actually thought it was like a like a nice touch because who knows what that meant in that in the <laughs> In that reality, but I thought it was funny that I even noticed. So anyways, it, there's a lot of um, interesting cutting that goes um, around. They show, uh, like you mentioned it earlier, they show Adama holding Kara's hand. They cut between um, Adama speaking to uh, Kara. They cut from uh, cut to Lee when he's putting uh, a pin on one of the pi- on Flat Top's 
capsule or grave or whatever in the present it flashes back to like the a similar sequence with zach um so they're kind of like that sequence is really good at like tying everybody's reaction to zach's death also to um what happened what happened in the present the way that they handle this situation in the present is you know obviously all directly affected by what happened with zach so then after that sequence, we jump to Adama's cabin. And this is where the sort of like the actual plot portion of the episode starts to happen, where um, one thing I thought was interesting, again, they were drinking water, which the significance of having water now is um, like greater after we've had the last few episodes. Um, it's like a subtle, mm-hmm. a subtle thing. And basically, Adama's kind of, Buttering our buttering Starbuck up a little bit, uh, you know it's not your fault what happened to Zach. And by the way, I want you to train a bunch of new pilots. Well, he asks her to train new pilots, and she's like, "I don't think I'm the right person for the job." Right. And he's like, "Oh, because of Zach, but that wasn't your fault." Right. She tries to like she and she tries to put it on saying, hey, "Can anybody else do this?" Um, they said there's two flight instructors, but they're civilians, so they don't know battle tactics. So you're the you know you're the only one that can do it. It you know cuts back in with a bunch of other I think some flashbacks. Uh, I know some flashbacks happen uh, in the scenes right after it, but she basically gets down to it and she's like, "Okay, I'll do it." And you can see the hesitance. Uh, you can see the like, I don't want to do this, but it's an order, and I'm going to do my best. She also can't really say no without explaining to him why. Mm-hmm. And, and she doesn't want to tell him why. Yeah, she doesn't want to tell him why. And I also don't know that it's, I mean, obviously, it's there. It's a, it's a space that she's having. But it's not quite like it's the secret that she's been actively keeping either. I think it's just sort of like it's something that bu- uh, kind of bubbles up. I mean, she told Lee, but mm-hmm. she probably thought in that moment before taking that Viper out that she might not survive. That's what she literally says, right? It's the end of the world. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. So she she confessed to Lee, but then yeah. they both lived. Mm-hmm. So now he knows the truth. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that she ever, not say ever, she probably would have had to tell Adama the truth eventually. Mm-hmm. But she's sort of backed into a corner here because he's asking her to do this. She doesn't want to because she doesn't have faith in herself and she doesn't want to pass somebody out of desperation. And what if they die too? Like she just doesn't want that guilt, but she can't tell him no without telling him why. And then when she has to tell him why later, it's because Lee misunderstands Mm -hmm. and sort of forces the issue without really meaning to. And a slightly, uh, another slight uh, Three's Company moment there. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, I give Lee some credit for not being like, oh, so she hasn't told you that she's the reason that Zach died? He was just like, you need to talk to her. And I appreciated he, that. Yeah, he plays it perfectly. That that was It was yeah. a total misunderstanding on his part. For sure. Yeah, but then now now the Pandora's box has creeped open, so there's mm-hmm. no, you know, I can't tell you, you need to talk to her. Like, of course Adama's going to go to her. He's not going to just let it slide. Like, right. we said this weird thing. What's that about? Not expecting what he got. 
Nice use of uh, more Greek mythology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we go to another scene right after that where they're uh, in the they're playing cards in their what's yeah. the room the rec room whatever it's called, and um, we see another you know it's a Baltar. I guess apparently in the in the time between between the last time that they played cards, he's been able to acquire credits and money. Um, and so it's pretty much like this, you know, it's kind of set up as the show showdown between Starbuck and Baltar in that moment. But Starbuck is actually having these very intense flashbacks of herself, uh, with her now deceased fiance, Zach. Um, she's mm-hmm. very like, it's almost like, um, how Baltar experiences his, uh, moments yeah. with, uh, with head six, right? Like, um, she's taken back so far to the point where she's like, like touching her lips and with their fingers and, um, thinking about them in bed together. Um, but you really get to see, you know, one thing that I, um, you know, as rough as an exterior as Starbuck has, you know, I, you always assume that, like something happened in someone's life to like make them that way. And I, re- I really became present to the idea that she, this was probably the one and last time that she's ever been in true love. Yeah. Like she handled it the way Starbuck handles things. Um, but that moment wrecked her and we see why she made the choices that she made um, in terms of like, keeping it from Madama and like wanting to, you know, in some ways this it's uh, her act of penance has been over the last two years. She's been on Galactica, not just in the, in the, in the moments that this episode kind of covers. We also, we see a lot later of her relationships with Anders, with Lee, and she's not soft with them. Mm -hmm. She's not vulnerable, hardly ever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the closest she comes to being vulnerable is with Lee. Yeah. But with Anders, especially, she's from the start, like, they just have one of those relationships that is very, like, my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. She's just, like, I'm in charge of this. Like, she's just never vulnerable with Anders. Ever. Those two. Those two crazy kids. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unfortunate because ah, he's a fox. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, I think she just won't allow herself to fully let down that that wall that she's built up. Because the last time and maybe the only time that she's ever felt this way about if someone, he died. Yeah. And then we see it. Like, we're, like we're watching it in this sequence. Mm-hmm. You see her just so... And she in 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 the scenes also it's where they with Zach she's making that the conversation about um, him passing and you're you're going to be fine you know so we actually see the moments yeah. where she tells him she's going to you know let him let him slide so to speak. Well, he doesn't know that he's he's just like he's right. upset or like nervous, and she's like, "No, you pass. Right? Like, yeah, you're good." The guy that they got to play Zach, I don't know who he is, but he, um, I think it's really good casting as far as, like, this guy looks like he came from Bill Adama. Mm-hmm. Like, and 
I know, like, I complained in the first episode about the blue contacts and how it was so unnecessary, and I still believe that. They show the mother, she's fair-skinned and light hair, and absolutely genetics can work that way, that one kid favors the mother, one kid favors the father. I've seen it with friends who have kids. Um, I've seen it with friends who have kids, and one of their kids doesn't look like either one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, where did these traits come from? So I don't know why they... Um, I will never get over the blue contacts. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> um, one one other thing that's kind of happening in this sequence too is that some uh, someone brings up the uh, Cylon detector. Um, Crashdown. Yeah, Crashdown. Yeah, Crashdown brings up uh, to Baltarp. He's been working on this. Oh no, was it Gata? He brings That's, it up to Baltar and Gata because yeah, Gata's Gata. at the table too. Gata's yeah. not playing, but he has not been dismissed this time. He gets to hang out and watch the card game. Yeah, and he one thing I actually noticed too, just like kind of character stuff, was uh, how like everybody was wearing their like you know kind of like they were all dressed down, but Gata was in full uniform, yeah. and it, it just kind of like shit, you know goes to his personality type. You know, he dances around it. He doesn't really want to answer. He keeps focusing back on um, the card game with Starbuck. And when that one interesting thing, there was like a really interesting edit where they cut to Boomer um, mm-hmm. in that conversation. And, the, you know, did, she didn't say anything or do anything. It was just like an interesting cut away. And the the uh, conclusion of that scene um, having nothing to do with Baltar in that moment was uh, Starbuck was so enraptured with her... Um, flashbacks that she just gets up and leaves in the middle of a card game and crash crashdown does not like that well crashdown put a bet down that uh starbuck would win against baltar again and boomer mm-hmm. is like i'll take that bet so yeah. when starbuck gets up and like forfeits in the middle of the hand that meant boomer won so yeah she was happy about yeah. that. yeah she's happy about that kissing it it's like Whatever. I just thought it was a cool scene. Mm-hmm. Another edit from there is like, so the last thing we see in that shot is um, Boomer, and then we jump back to Caprica. Mm-hmm. And in this sequence, uh, it kind of picks up from the last where they were, uh, the last episode where they were um, trying to track down the signal. Um, and then they're in some sort of like coffee shop. I was getting like le- The Last of Us. Uh, <laughs> Uh, fallout vibes around it um they're searching for the signal um athena who who becomes athena um finds the uh like a hidden um passage and they go down into this basement and it looks like it's a disaster uh fallout shelter that somebody had um, might might have built um, had there been um, uh, some kind of disaster, right? Obviously, we know that it's a setup by this little experiment that uh, that six and um, eight and Dor- Doral are have made um, while they are downstairs celebrating because they find food and medicine. And potentially, Hilo doesn't have to do his limping acting anymore because he can fix his leg. Um, 
<laughs> uh, uh, six is upstairs um, and kind of floats by a window. And uh, we see that they actually, this has all been some kind of setup. It's, um, it's funny because I remember so much of the stuff that happens on Caprica with Hilo and Sharon. Mm-hmm. But I forgot how like teeny tiny increments they were. Yeah. So it's like we're going to check in with them for one scene each episode just to kind of remind the audience. But in my mind, I like remember all this stuff and I forgot that it was parsed out over so many episodes. Yeah. I mean, my memories is, is kind of the way that I, I just remember like, oh, yeah, a scene here, a scene there. Um, because I still was like, I think in real time when I was watching it the first time, I still was kind of wondering what was going on with it. Um, Because it was the idea that the fleet is going away from Caprica, but we keep going back to Caprica. I didn't know how those two things were going to tie together. Um, But yeah, there's also wasn't like very much for them to do. So I remember like the, I guess the peaks of each episode, um, cause it all oh, like you might've gone there once or twice per episode. So I didn't really, I didn't really have this feeling that a lot happened in my experience watching it. Okay. So we come back to the Galactica and we finally get to meet Doc Cottle. Yep. Um, and he is giving uh, a, or is concluding an examination with um, the lovely president of the 12 colonies, Laura Roslin. And um, he's basically confirming to her that her diagnosis is very grim. And he chastises her <laughs> for not uh, for not having, um, you know, gotten a breast examination or whatever it is uh what does it say every five years or something yeah she said she's been busy yeah and you know it's like none of your business dude like you know, just treat me <laughs> whatever um what comes out of this is like um a lot of the seeds for some of the stuff where the show is actually going to end up going where um he wants to give her uh traditional treatments um she says that her mother actually um you know died of the same thing um wither withered away from the it's like deloxin or something mm-hmm. and so she wants to avoid that if she can and then she's like have you ever heard of this thing called kamala extract and immediately doc coddle kind of like is exasperated by it so we get the impression that it's like a, a their version of like a woo-woo um, like eastern medicine uh, or um holistic medicine yeah like here's some herbs and you'll be fine yeah that kind of thing Have, yeah. has she tried yoga <laughs> right <laughs> um they and they kind of go into it a little bit like you know, there hasn't, he, he says there hasn't been any, um, you know, there hasn't been any like basically medical trials or documentation that it's effective. He said, I think he says something like any, uh, it's kind of anecdotal, anything that, um, any treatments or any successful treatments that have happened, but she's pretty adamant that she doesn't want to, um, 
wither away, as she says. So she wants to try that. And um, he says he'll put a call out to the fleet um, to see if anybody has, <laughs> what is he, like he says it kind of sarcastically, like has a, it's like, you know, a stash of it or something. Yeah. I can't remember the words he used. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's very, he's very dismissive and sarcastic about it. Um, but you know, he, as he leaves, he, you know, tells her to put her clothes back on or whatever, but then he comes back real quickly and he says, yeah, for what it's worth, if you pray, you should pray. Mm -hmm. Like, so he, the seriousness of it is not lost on him. You, you know, as, as gruff as a person as he is, he definitely is, you know, is a caring, he does care. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we'll get to see over the course of the show. Um, I read that one of the writers named him Doc Cottle after his own doctor. Oh. But he said <laughs> that his doctor was not quite so gruff. Yeah, it was funny that he was like um <laughs> he was like he was chastising her for not getting um her exam in time but then he's smoking. Yeah, and she's like, <laughs> "Do you the... mind?" And he's like, "I do, actually." <laughs> but he like he walks in and so leaves good. the curtain open and she's like can you close the curtain, please? And he's just yeah, like, it's so good. Ugh. What do you want? Privacy? Jeez. Yeah, you know, you can kind of see like his look. He's he's the military yeah. doctor, right? And like, and, and you imagine too, it's like he would have like he looks. He's old. He's much older. He probably was. You know, the ship was going to be decommissioned. He probably was going to retire. Like, he's just, he's over all of it. So he kind of doesn't care. But he's still a doctor. So he's still doing what he does. But he's definitely not used to dealing with civilians the way that he uh, kind of treats her mm -hmm. in that moment. Um, so then we go from that scene. And then we finally get to, see, to meet some of uh, our favorites. Um, so Starbuck, <laughs> oh, Starbuck, Welcome, it, Kat. <laughs> yeah, okay, Kat. Oh God. I, okay. So we meet Kat. There are primary people we meet are Kat, Hot Dog, who we love and, um, Chuckles, Ch Chuckles. Um, and these are the recruits that they have for Starbuck to train, um, she calls herself God, which now that I think about it is interesting because, like, they always make a point of saying um, multiple gods mm -hmm. and there's controversy around one true God. Um, but anyways, um, someone shared a meme of that the other day in our old group, and it was in comparison to Babylon 5 character. Um, I think I missed that one. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll share it uh, when we post this episode um but yeah so we meet um cat um oh god i hate i can't tell you how much i hated cat over <laughs> over the course of the show uh i think a, most in a, of in us a fun did way. and in a fun yeah, way it's like it's unfortunate yeah. that it's of that it's a female character that they made mm -hmm. so irritating because mm -hmm. she just like she exhibits the same sort of qualities that starbuck has but we like it in starbuck don't mm -hmm. like it in this like starbuck has earned it i guess because she's proven like she's a really good pilot she's experienced and cat is like cat's not even the one of the three of them that washed out of the academy that's hot dog 
Mm-hmm. So it's not like Kat has tried to be in the military before and is now getting her second chance and just, you know, it has outsized confidence. I don't know. But I always just found her really irritating. Yeah, it's just the way that the way that the character was played. But like, to be 100% yeah. honest, like like having a character like that enhances like cuz you don't want you don't want to like everybody right like you want in yeah. the like later it's like in season 2 with the episode with scar like mm-hmm. like that battle between um cat and um starbuck is i mean it's good storytelling you know like you don't want mm-hmm. her like but you know but that show always I does just, as a as a as a feminist, I wish that they had given the irritating qualities to a male character instead of another girl character. Because mm-hmm. we already have yeah. Callie is annoying, and, <laughs> uh, and now Kat's annoying. And when uh, Tori yeah, shows I mean... up, people got irritated with Tori. And it's like, can we not? Did they? I mean, I their people didn't love her. Really? Not, uh, not... I guess I was, I was in my own little bubble. I love Tori, man. Ugh. I, I mean, really like Tori because, too, uh, but no, there were And there not were... just because I love Tori. <laughs> there were definitely people who did not like her. And maybe that's huh. because she everybody loved Billy and now here's this. I don't know. But I remember seeing mm-hmm. rumblings about like people complaining about Tori too. It's like uh, all the all the people you're complaining about are women. Which is I loved Tori because I loved how she I mean, because she was such a stark contrast to Billy and like I loved how she was on top of things, mm-hmm. how she handled stuff. I loved it. I loved it. And and when she transitions to her other phase of her character later, it was like it was almost like she was experiencing like letting letting her guard down in a way that wasn't true to her original version. I could see why people might dislike that version i, I of think her. when she was really embracing being a cylon there were people who were like mm-hmm. uh fuck this girl it's like no embrace being a cylon it's what you are yeah and i think it's be- the, when she was embracing being a cylon it was like to the detriment of our band of people as opposed sure. to the other group who were right. like they were, yeah, I think that that's all there was to it. But again, I think like having her kind of like, you know, be a little shifty. Mate. Listen, I love Days of Our Lives and my favorite characters are always like, <laughs> you know, it's like Vivian Alamein, Sammy Brady. Like I love, <laughs> those are my, like my, the ones that are up to no good are my favorite ones. So I, right. I enjoy that. Right. Um, but you see, like there's a, I'm sure it was not an intentional pattern because you do have characters mm-hmm. like Athena and Starbuck and Rosalind who are women and kick-ass. But then you mm-hmm. have two of the final five are women that are disliked. Because mm-hmm. one of them is fucking Ellen. Like, and that's the thing. Why am I saying <laughs> fucking Ellen? But it's Ellen. You know, like, but Ellen when she is becomes... annoying. When she becomes a Cylon, though, she is, like, so, like, loving and giving and nurturing, though. Yeah, but before that, I mean, we're going to have so much time to talk about Ellen. Just sometimes I I watch things now with a different perspective because when I 
mm-hmm. first watched this, I had not quite tapped into my own like internalized misogyny and like why do I feel this way about these characters? Oh, because they're written this way. And why are they written this way? Because it's written by men. And so like mm-hmm. everything is sort of through a different filter now where I yeah. pick up on sexism and I don't always think that the sexism is there intentionally, but it is mm-hmm. there. And when you've got a number of female characters that are pretty prominent, but they're hated, but there mm-hmm. aren't as many male characters that are prominent and hated. It just stands out to me. So I wish yeah. that Cat had not been the one written to be the irritant. I wish it had been Hot Dog. Mm-hmm. Maybe Bodie almost couldn't pull it off. I don't know. <laughs> but I, <don't> know. <laughs> I wish it had been one of the other nuggets instead of the one yeah. female nugget. That's all I'm saying. It's just- yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally see and agree with what you're saying. Like, it's funny for me because, like, Hot Dog is just, he's just, like, an incompetent sort he's of, like, He's a golden doofus, retriever. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he's just, yeah. He's, um, he's well-intentioned, like, but know. why couldn't the golden retriever be her? Yeah. I, there's, um, you know, what, like, as a black person watching media you know for years it was like why like you know horror movies that's the famous one right mm-hmm. like why is like it's great that you cast this person but oh why does he have why why do they always have to be the first one to die you know yeah. um in comic books i was just having this conversation yesterday in comic books in the 90s they started making a lot more black characters um, a lot of them came out of image comics, but it was like, so they were like being more f- like in their minds, being more forward and inclusive, but they all, like a lot of them had like, they were HIV positive. <laughs> so they, My God. so they like, yeah. So like they fit into like this, they immediately get put into this sort of like stereotype of the time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and um, so I, like, I totally see that. Uh, and then there, there's another instance where, you know, on a lot of TV shows in the last, like, 10, 20 years or so, you'd see a lot more gay characters um, appear. And especially in, like, the um, action-adventure, supernatural-type shows, those those characters would be the ones to die. Mm-hmm. As soon as they found love. Yeah, as soon as they found love. And, and so... I remember I had this conversation with a friend of mine some years back who he... He was, I think, they are gay. And it was um, the character. It was, uh, I was, oh, it was Yanto from um, Torchwood, season three. And yeah. he passes in, I think, season, yeah, passes in season three. And to me, like, I was like, oh, my heart was ripped out. And, and my friend was like, nah. And I was like, what? 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 Like, what's wrong? Like, and he was telling me, he's like, well, yeah, every time there's a character, like, they have, like, why do, why are they the ones that have to die? And so, like, they showed me that, cast that light on it. And mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. But my experience, though, myself wasn't, it's like, I, I liked having that character and like having that relationship. To me, it was just that, like, I just, I think I was more invested in their, having to overcome so many barriers to love to have it ripped away gave me an emotional response that I didn't I didn't 
see in other characters, but his their their perspective was actually like more valid than mine. And so I kind of took that into consideration. So I definitely like I see what you're kind of talking about. Um I can't think of what it was that I saw recently where um there was a black actor cast in the show that ended up being the villain. And whoever I was talking to was like, yeah, it's great, but why does the black character have to be the villain? Mm-hmm. And I was like, isn't it good that they cast that person in that role, though? Because they, you know, years ago would not have. And they're mm-hmm. like, because it was, I wish I could remember what it was, because it was like a great role, but they ended up being bad. And they're like, why... But that it just keeps happening where, like, sure, we're getting progressive enough that we're actually considering black actors for roles that they weren't considered for before, but they're still getting put into, like, they're not the hero. Mm-hmm. And it's conversations like that that sort of keep my eyes open where I'm like, hey, we're making progress. And they're like, eh, tiny step. Still yeah. not good enough. And I think... That's why I think podcasts are really good where we can have these conversations where, like, I love Battlestar Galactica. I am not criticizing the writing at all. But there's these things that happen because because people hadn't been pointing it out. Like, maybe now if there are more women in the room, they'll say, how about we don't make the female character the annoying one, that we we make Mm -hmm. it one of the men? Because the yeah. women are always the ones that are the annoying one. So let's mm-hmm. flip that. Or how about we cast a, a person of color in this role instead of another white person? Like, mm-hmm. we're making progress. It's just slow progress. And I think it's it's our responsibility to sort of point that out. Because it's nothing's going to change if we don't say something. Right. And then... That was, I mean, sort of, it was the, that was a topic that I had um, when I did my panel at LA Comic Con um, last December. Um, You know, one of the things, I mean, it was focused on representations of black characters in in fantasy, sci-fi, but it was, the idea was that a lot of the change needs to happen from people that are actually like the writers and the producers and mm-hmm. like behind the scenes yep. and not necessarily in front of. And, um, and it's not, you know, again, it's not to say that like, um, ne- like a person, like a person, a non-person of color. How would you say that? A white person. <laughs> um, could, yeah. Yeah. A white person can't write a non like a, a person of color, but there's a perspective yeah. that's a like sort of like a, a lived perspective that comes a lot more naturally. So yeah, I like I like to write like a lot of the stuff that I write includes like like female characters like to the front. But I make no I make no like I don't I don't think I necessarily understand women to the to the degree that women understand themselves, mm-hmm. so it's like I write from like a like a human being, and I hope that just from that sense I can synthesize it. But if someone calls me out, I'm more than you know more than willing to take that criticism because I you know I I go through it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you like we subtly get um, typecast. 
uh, in certain roles. And um, but we see ourselves as being more than just what the world sees us mm-hmm. as. And I'm talking about like you as a woman, um, someone that's Hispanic, you know, someone that's gay. Um, so it definitely uh, lends itself to having more voices to uh, illuminate um, how, you know, how these characters are portrayed. Yeah, agreed. And you take that feedback and you can learn from it. And even like you you know women so you could say can you read this and tell me if there's does this ring true is there anything i should change like we have to be willing Mm -hmm. to admit that we only know so much about a different race or a different gender or a non-binary like whatever it is ask Mm -hmm. questions so that you can represent somebody as a whole person and not a perception of what like, you know, sure, ladies are going to do this. Yeah. You know? What I was thinking of was Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, by the way. It was not a black character. It was a friend of mine was really excited that they worked in the whole Mayan culture, um, was over the moon about them casting a Hispanic actor as Namor, but mm-hmm. was like, but why did he have to be the villain, though? Like, Mm. he finally cast a Hispanic actor in a very prominent role in a Marvel movie, and he's a villain. And I was like, I get what you're saying. Namor's not always a villain. Like, give it time, because you'll see more of him. He's got layers. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that's a tricky one, because he does, like, literally when he debuts in... um back in the comics and fantastic four like re like is reintroduced he's definitely hardcore antagonist he but is i totally but i also best. i also yeah but i also get the yeah that criticism yeah so. i totally understood what she was saying she was like i'm super happy to have him as part of the mcu i'm really excited that they cast this particular actor i just wish that he weren't the bad guy mm-hmm. and i I understand that, and I also hope that we get to see more of Namor, where he's not the bad guy, where he's a little more complicated in a Bucky Barnes kind of way, you know? Like, he's kind of a hero. He's also a bad guy. Yeah, we'll definitely see more of that. I think it's a little tricky. (laughs) This is becoming the Marvel (laughs) podcast. Um, It's a little tricky for them because of... Like he's so tied, like his at least his reintroduction is so tied into um, Fantastic Four, who don't exist yet, and so they they have to like kind of retell these stories in a way that mm-hmm. kind of removes some of that nuance that he had, and it, I I feel like putting it onto Black Panther kind of made them double down on the. On his be the the way that he was an antagonist, I think he's an antagonist and not a villain. Except that he, you know, killed some people. <laughs> yeah, like I think, and that's what I was gonna say. Like he, the way that they ended up having to tell the story because mm-hmm. they were tying it to Black Panther made him actually come across even worse than yeah. he would have if he had, a, you know, kind of showed up in Fantastic Four. Like the story just would have played out differently, um, but. I have some problems with that movie. I know it's not a popular opinion, but I also think it was pretty good. Um, so, Well, maybe we'll do a side pod on how amazing <laughs> Namor 
looks in his tiny little shorts. I just love Namor, and I'm happy to have him in the in the MCU in general. He's one of my favorite in the comics. I think he's hilarious. Um, so I'm excited to have him around. But we do I, not need I to can't, go into detail. Yeah, I can't. I can't comment on the <laughs> on the shorts. They could stuff. Have, they could have been smaller. Not, not my jam. It's not my jam. <laughs> I was always I was always partial to his cousin Namora, so that's kind of oh uh, well my, she's uh, she's in the movie Maria. too. They didn't give her quite yeah. enough to do, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back to back to previously the nuggets. Yeah, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> we were talking about the Nuggets. This was all this is all because we don't like Cat. <laughs> yeah, like we just I don't want to talk about Cat. You know, but I, I would actually do want to go back to her real quick. I mean the. I personally like to see characters I can't stand in. I know not, not everybody does, but like if you ask me some of my favorite um, pieces of content, there there will be a character that like I can't stand, but that actually um, sort of like organically enhances the story because you do want conflict and you do mm-hmm. want to see like you know. Whether it's them against character, uh, other characters, or just in the case of her, uh, in the case of Cat, her um, character arc, you know, mm-hmm. as 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 it is, um, by the time you get to the end of her character arc, it's actually like when you think back to all the times you hated her, it's just it feels more fulfilling. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like a, the movie, The Piano, is one of my favorite movies. And I hate almost every last character in that movie. <laughs> like the antagonist, like the kid, like like the husband. The, everybody's all the men are all creepy. Um, Ada's the hero, but she's like she's like annoying. And uh, the uh, Anna Paquin's just like she's annoying. Um, but because of all of that is like partly why I actually like the movie because there's so much more ground to cover in terms of like uncovering like the like the 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 deep human uh humanness of everybody you know well it's so, like succession do you watch succession i've watched a few episodes of it which is a great show um i it's coming back soon i can't wait mm-hmm. these are the m- most horrible people i've ever been disinvested in every single yeah. one of them are awful awful human beings yeah. and i i can't get enough of this show and it's so weird to me because i don't normally it's very rare that i uh, like sort of imprint on an antagonist or a villain um or a bad person because i i don't why you, i hate people that suck like i don't like that but that show, man, they are all awful. I have, I can't root for any of them, but I can't wait to see what they're going to do next because they're such terrible people. It's fascinating yeah. because there's not a good person on that show, not a one. Yeah. There's no hero. There's no one to root for. If you're rooting for somebody, you're rooting for someone you hate. <laughs> it's so weird. And yet they've managed to pull off what feels impossible to me. Because it's so hard for me to root for somebody that's terrible. Yeah. So I like I say I hate cat, but I like it. Like I said, <laughs> in a fun way. Like you yeah. know, it's like because actually yeah. the actress she seems really cool. I've seen her in like um, 
not uh, I haven't seen her in any other roles I think but just like interviews and you know like uh, the functions was, and stuff she seems super cool she was at Dragon Con when I was there she was great yeah she seems so. really really nice yeah um yeah it just she's just <laughs> she's annoying that's what it is but it's a, know, she's it, a great counter she's a great yeah. counter again to like Starbuck like yeah like the I whole, guess. yeah, yeah. But like, and like, but I hate her. So it's like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I mean, they can't all be little puppy dogs like Hot Dog. Yeah. Who I also, for all, at times, I'm like, oh my God, Hot Dog, shut up. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, again, it's great to have those characters yeah. around, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> nice to see him, though. Welcome to the show, Bodie Almost. He's what he's one of he has one of my favorite lines uh, on the show uh, when they're escaping New Caprica when he's about to launch out of the the launch tube and he says something like uh, yeah this has never happened before mm. <laughs> when they're doing the the, the Adama maneuver the most amazing thing that. that's ever happened outside of the Holdo yeah. maneuver sure yeah 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 it's uh, <laughs> woo but oh anyway. can't wait to get there yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't wait to get there. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we uh, have all this rigmarole. Um, you know, obviously, Starbuck is being very hard on them because she's, you know, kind of being evasive. In in my notes, actually, I, I uh, wrote right before the scene, I, I call it, she starts to, actually, right after the um, the card game, and she leaves. I call it the Starbuck destruction tour <laughs> that she yeah. starts to go on. Like she just like everything that she can do because that's kind of like that's who, who her character is, right? So in this instance, she's like, okay, I'm going to do this job, but there's a part of her that, like, you know, you can see she's sabotaging um, it um, and herself well, by being extra hard on them. Yeah, um, and being I, uh, I don't kind know of, like, if she was trying to get like Adama to replace her. Or if she mm-hmm. just was being incredibly unfair on them. Because I do think that she was absolutely unfair. Yeah, I think it's the latter. Like, she, she was... It wasn't that she was trying to... I don't, I don't think it was that she actively, consciously was trying to have her be replaced. But it's just... She's, she's Starbuck, right? Like, she just, like... Again, I think it's very human, right? She does, like... She knows she doesn't want to be doing this. Um, and she also feels responsible for the death of her fiance. So, like, her instinct or reaction is sort of like to be what she is now, which is just being super hard. And she's going to be so hard that she's not going to, like, be able to pass anybody. And then she won't be responsible for their dying at whatever point they end up dying. And one of them ends up dying um, in a few episodes later. Um, So, but again, none of this is conscious. It's just sort of, you know, it's sort of like experiential, right? Like it's just in the, in the moment, this is just how she's being and kind of being true to to her instincts. It takes them out. Um, She's going to eventually leads to taking them out. Um, cat can't hand can't handle landing, which is really funny. She's so timid. She's so unsure. It's her first time out in a viper. 
Yeah, it's just funny because we know, like, because we know how she ends up being. It's yeah. so funny to see her in this this instant where she's just like completely vulnerable and. Well, imagine that Starbuck had had treated them the way that she does on their next run, mm-hmm. where she's teaching them. She's actually teaching them. Right. So while she's telling Cat what to do on this landing, don't follow the lights. Follow your instruments. Mm-hmm. Follow the numbers. It'll tell you exactly how you want to go. Like, that's good teaching. But yeah. this is their first time doing this. This is Kat's first time trying to land this plane. You have to give her more. And some of the more needs to be encouragement. So Cat messes up, but of course she's going to. They were all going to mess up. That's my point. Kara's yeah. not giving them any chances. It's this, you're not good enough, you're not pilots, I'm not going to teach you to be pilots, you're, I'm going to prove to everybody that this was a bad idea. And then Adama turns around and is like, I, I need pilots. You have to figure this out. You know, it's interesting, like, so you talked about a little bit earlier, when we were having our cat conversation, <laughs> we were talking about how they could have portrayed them differently. They actually... It actually, in this scene, would have made a little bit more sense for it to be hot dog because there's a seat, there's a reference in the in the room where, said like he got he washed out of the academy because he couldn't yeah. stick his landing, so that he would have actually been more appropriate right. for that instance um, than Cat actually. So, so yeah, Cat can't land, and she's forced to sort of fly back out of the landing bay. So that she doesn't crash. And she basically um, washes them all out. Yeah. <laughs> she, none of them, she's like, none of them are fit to fly, she says. And um, and that's it. It sends them packing back to their, uh, whatever ship they came from. Yeah. And so Lee confronts her about it. And my notes is that he correctly assesses that she's being harder on them because of what happened with Zach. Mm-hmm. Which she denies. She basically is like, they they suck. Again, like going back to the beginning of the episode where they're all fun and giggly and laughing. It's such a such a contrast. But I, I also find it interesting because Lee, the way he's talking to her now is almost in response to when, uh, I think it was back in the miniseries, when she was telling him, this, you're supposed to treat me. A certain way you're supposed to give me yeah. an order so he gives her an order and then she's like you can't give me orders i'm <laughs> i'm the flight instructor right <laughs> oh oh starbuck anyways lee is ends up kind of doing what he wants to do um and he kind of inadvertently becomes a snitch so he goes back to his dad goes back to daddy um uh back in the cabin again this is a these, these little subtle interactions with a lot of the things I like I didn't notice. Um, and so Lee kind of starts complaining about Starbuck and like, we need pilots and Adama tells him to sit down and he, but he calls him captain, right? He's like, sit down mm-hmm. captain. And then Lee and him have this conversation about her feeling responsible, blah, blah, blah. And then the sort of like the, the discord part where 
uh, or the Three's Company part where Lee thinks that they already have had the conversation about um, he thinks that Starbuck and Adama have already talked about her responsibility for Zach dying. Um, mm-hmm. And then as soon as he realizes that that's not the case, he kind of taps out of the conversation and says, you know, I need you like you, know, you need to talk to her. And then Commander Adama wants to stop him. And then he says, no, dad, you need you need to talk to her. And the fact that he says dad, I thought was interesting in contrast yeah. to the you know, captain. So there, I think that's, I think that's how Adama knew that he needed, that this wasn't, this wasn't Lee accidentally or intentionally or whatever, hinting at something. And it, it, and it's not what Adama was thinking that they talked about. So when he said, dad, we just stepped out of this being about military issues. This is, this is personal. And like, and it's like, yeah, dad, I'm, I, I'm out. <laughs> and there's no, like, there's no pretense of the military stuff. And, um, it, yeah, it's and like, again, there's like a lot, those lot, those subtle things that happen often are the parts that just like, like I really get into with the, uh, like the storytelling of the show, the execution of it. Mm-hmm. In my notes, I wrote, gods, this show is so good. <laughs> um, yeah. It is. And so and then we come to the scene. Uh Starbuck gets called to Adama's cabin and they start to have the conversation about like why she washed them out. She's being defensive and evasive about it. And then, you know, he Adama kind of gets it. He he positions his questioning so that she finally has to admit to him that she passed Zach when he wasn't ready to fly. And because of that, it put him in a position to die. And I have my hand over my heart as I'm talking about it right now because I actually could feel like I can see her in my head, like from the scene and just like how, like how she breaks down in that moment. It's like, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about how vulnerable she was, was that in a love sense, but this is another moment where she's completely vulnerable to somebody where she is not putting up any walls. She's not being evasive. She's telling you exactly how she feels and not being like, you know, that um, sarcastic person. I mean, she's crying. Mm-hmm. She's like, I like I messed up royally. I feel terrible about it. It's my fault. And I did it because I loved him. And I thought that if I didn't do this, then we wouldn't have made it through with our relationship. And the entire time, Adama is just <laughs> standing there looking at her. And I think... Not a yeah, muscle moves yeah, on his face. Not, and, and I think that, like, you're... You know, we've watched, uh, you know, a million hours of TV at this point. So you're kind of, like, because she's being so vulnerable, you expect him to be, it's a, you know, Kara, I understand. It's okay. <laughs> or you expect him to yell. Yeah. Or... She- react and his his reaction is so i described it as this like simmering rage that if she didn't 
walk away when he told her to do it. He wouldn't, he couldn't trust himself how he was going to, I mean, he says to her, leave now before you can't. But the performance from Ever James almost is so good because it's so still that it's frightening. Like that kind of anger when you're that mad that you can't even trust yourself to even take a deep breath. It's just, if I open my mouth, I'm going to explode. His response had nothing to do with anything she just said. Reinstate the trainees. And it's just like, oh, yep. like, oh, man, it's so good. And then do your you know, basically do your job. And uh, mm-hmm. and then the line, you know, get out of here. What do you say? Uh, while you can still stand, you know? Yeah, something like that. Get out of here while yeah. you still can. So, yeah. Adama's not happy. Uh, so then we, we then go back out to Starbucks and the trainees again. So they're, you know, she's back at it. She's obviously, you know, we know she feels bad about this, but she's kind of like, you know, but, buttoned everything back up again and um, a little bit closer to the Starbucks that we, you know, that we know. But she's also teaching them Yeah, really she's well. teaching them. She's very, yeah, she's definitely um, being more instructive. <laughs> less less you're messing up and uh letting them kind of do their thing a little bit more and then uh so we uh back in the CIC Apollo and um Ty are listening in on the communications and uh then you know Adama walks in and <laughs> Ty is like uh you know what's gotten to her <laughs> she, she, she actually sounds like she she actually trained these people, and I think that like I, the the look like the, the way that Adama deals with that is like he just gives his like dismissive, you know, sigh, mm-hmm. and uh, Lee looks up because Lee knows what's up, <laughs> uh, and then but and then it's just like back to business for him, right? So they're out there, and then all of a sudden, you know, we've had all of this drama interpersonal drama for the last like you know 35 minutes or so of the show um and then we have some contacts on the dratus and some cylons have entered this scene um they comment on how they don't know how they appeared and immediately they request uh the emergency fighters to come out um i think starbucks calls in the cavalry um and she tells the nuggets to fly back into galactica um and this is when the act of contrition um exclamation point comes in um so they're starting to head back and starbuck almost immediately turns back to take on the fighters the the cylon mm-hmm. raiders um the actual there's um one thing i, I wanted to mention earlier and I kind of forgot about it, but this episode also is, I think one of the first ones where the music really starts to become a character for the show. Um, the track when, um, when uh flat top is spinning around is, you know, that's a, a song on, on the score. Um, the funeral is another song on the score. 
this literally this sequence it literally is called Cylon or uh, uh, Starbuck takes on all eight. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the, a line from the show. So uh, Ty is like, she's taking on all eight. So you see that you know the emotional state she's in. She's like really trying to make up for in her the most self-destructive of Starbuck ways for what she's done. Um, she almost doesn't. You know, in in some ways she doesn't care, but then it also it's like she wants to like kind of prove herself. Yeah, she might have, I don't know, she might have done okay except for uh, Hot Dog <laughs> decides to join the fight. Um, and again, it's kind of funny because Cat is like, you know, what are you doing? We're gonna get in trouble, kind of. Uh, but Hot Dog comes back and joins the fight as well. Well, he had just been taught the lesson that you do not leave That's your right. leader. Yeah, yeah. Do not leave your wingman. I will not leave my wingman. That's not really why he does it, right? I took it as that's exactly why he does it. He sees, like, there's no way that she can do this by herself. She just taught us not to leave our leader. I'm going to help mm-hmm. her. I mean, probably some of it was a, a little bit of, like, you know, bravado or want to show off. But also, I think he really thought he could help yeah i've just never yeah i guess never i've just never seen him as the smartest of people or characters so it just (laughs) kind of like you know he just does the dumb thing it's actually kind of funny because in my brain my i was i thought it was cat until like i was watching the episode again and i was like oh yeah it was hot dog Mm. you know well and it's it's not like it's his fault that she ends up crashing because she shoots the cylon the raider and then it sort of floats by her and knocks into yeah. her. Yeah. And that's what does it. And I think partly like her dra- like, like yeah cuz her 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 sensors go offline too. So at first they think that like back on the back in the CIC they comment that her transponder goes offline. So they think that like she has died like or gotten shot down. But you know, we see it it comes back and there's still like a good uh, a good amount of fighting that they have left to do. She shoots it, and then it clips one of her engines, and it's the Cylon Raider stalls and starts to fall to the moon, and uh, Starbucks' ship starts stalls and falls into the moon as well, and it goes into a flat spin, and then the flashback that we've been seeing all along finally makes sense, and it's the sequence where Starbucks is in a flat spin, falls to the moon, and then she finally ejects as she enters the atmosphere, floating downward, and then it goes to black to be continued. So when you first saw this, was there any thought that we're not going to see Starbuck again? That's it. No, I mean, I knew we would, um, but I was shocked that it was to be continued. (laughs) It wasn't like... Because, you know, it wasn't labeled part two, part one or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah. And I, well, I wasn't expecting two parters or anything at this point in the show. So the fact that it ended the way it ended, it definitely had me, you know, the edge of my seat waiting for next week. And I, you know, I think I'd seen, um, you know, next time kind of stuff. So I saw what, like, what she was dealing with. On the moon, which leads me to my uh, some of my thoughts about that. That's when I started to realize that this episode or this sequence of the show is um, inspired by um, uh, an episode of Galactica 1980 
called The Return of Starbuck. So we'll actually talk about that a little bit more on the next episode. Um, we can do a little quick comparison between the two. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I definitely... You know, never thought she wasn't coming back, but I also was like, "Oh, how is she coming back?" Yeah, how are they gonna how are they gonna find yeah. her? So I read that, um, or didn't read. I heard that in the original Battlestar Galactica, there weren't these Cylon Raiders that were their own sort mm. of sentient little pets. Yeah. Um, that they were new for this mm-hmm. show. So. It's really interesting that what we get in the next episode is a somewhat better understanding of the Raiders. Because I didn't know that until just recently, that they were not, like, I thought the, you know, giving them guts and whatever was an addition, but I didn't realize that the ships themselves were not something that was carried. Yeah, I th- I, watching the, the next episode, you actually... Because, you know, my memory of the show was it was always cool because it was like the Cylon Raiders and they would cut to them flying in, and they were always in groups of three. That's kind of what I assumed would be the case on this new show. So when we get to the next episode, we actually see what they were. It was like a revelation of, okay, this is how they're approaching these Cylon Raiders in the new show. And it also made sense why they had the, the red sensor going across their eyes on the ships, mm-hmm. which wasn't something that was on the uh, the original. So, so um, originally, the writers had a one-night stand between Kara and Lee as part of her flashbacks, mm-hmm. but they decided to hold off on that to keep the tension between the mm-hmm. two of them, which I think was the right move. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. They played that perfectly <laughs> no no comment other than yeah they just played that whole thing perfectly yeah rips your heart out when you have that flashback scene um on the on new caprica later much later between the two of them. yeah well i guess uh it depends on how invested you are in in starbuck and lee mm-hmm I mean, I, I mean, I personally was never invested in them at all. But then when you see like that episode and you see what led it, what leads up to that moment, you're like, Starbuck, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's just, maybe it's because I've been there before. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll have lots to say when we get to unfinished business. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about this episode? Do you want to wait till next week? No, I think I'll wait till next week. I think um, a lot of the, like the, I think the conversation about uh, Return of Starbuck, um, and I, it, and, I, and I, I rewatched that episode because I hadn't really, I hadn't watched it in like 25, 30 years maybe. Um, but, and I rewatching it actually opened up my mind to, um, some other thoughts that I have about Battlestar Galactica, which we'll um, be covering over the course of watching the show. But I think it answers a lot of the, some of the things that some people didn't like certain things. And, and I'm not, I'm not, not to say that those things were good or bad, but there was a precedent for those things derived from the original show. Um, so at least it was being true to the roots of the show. And, you know, whether you like them or not is another another question. So, um, but yeah, I'll talk more about that next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.
Okay. <laughs> well, the question of was Baltar the worst this week doesn't really apply because he didn't really have the chance to be. Yeah, no, he definitely did not. James Callis had a pretty light week this week. Yeah, they they must have like liked those weeks when they just barely had to show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what I know about filming dramas is that they shoot in these like eight day increments. Yeah, for per episode. Yeah. So getting a, a week where maybe you only have to be on set one day mm-hmm. is probably almost like getting a vacation. Yeah. Uh, who would you say had full colors this week? Hmm. I would uh, say... I don't know. In a strange way, I have to say Starbuck, actually. Okay. Because... It's... How do I say it? It's like... Be, I, the, I think the moment that she actually, like, the second time she starts to train the Nuggets... Um, I felt like she was fully doing her duty in a positive way. Okay. Yeah. I think maybe Lee for me. I I liked how he handled that situation with Adama where he's like, oh, fuck, I didn't mean to say that, but you should talk to her. Yeah. It's funny because like I, like I, again, it was a complete misunderstanding and he didn't mean to do it, but it, it kind of mm-hmm. annoyed me that he did it all the same. <laughs> it was kind of like could have been played out in such a sort of rote way where yeah he just spills a secret that's not his to tell. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I like that he was like, eh, "You need to talk to her." He was a, he was a borderline snitch uh, that saved him at the very <laughs> end. But he absolutely he also like again like he legit thought that they had talked about it. So yeah, yeah, and he was he was actually shocked when he thought they talked about it. Yeah, so. because Adama had not changed his behavior in any way, so it was really surprising. Like, oh, she told you, and you're just fine okay yeah yeah i don't know i liked how he handled that situation yeah um who would you throw out the airlock uh uh, (laughs) cat no i'm just kidding she she doesn't do enough to be thrown out the airlock this episode (laughs) um okay so i'm gonna actually say starbuck again (laughs) i had starbuck yeah yeah i mean again like i the the breadth of of just stuff that she goes through, um, the emotional journey she goes through, like for me, makes her like the best and the worst of this uh, of this episode. Yeah, well, I would have prematurely killed her because she's being such a bad teacher. I'm throwing her out the airlock. You're mm-hmm. being very unfair to these people. Mm-hmm. But then she turns it around. So yeah, like, this is why we don't we don't punish people cor- with corporal punishment. <laughs> <laughs> um, reflexively or emotionally right yeah and it's a you know in fiction especially like sometimes people don't like when a character does something like so bad or that they dislike so much but especially when the intent is to show a contrast for later behavior it's it's great Mm -hmm. so um you know to see her be this way just it's it's that much more satisfying when she actually figures it out so, I don't know. I didn't yeah. necessarily have a problem with it. Do you have a favorite Cylon this week? We have one option. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, actually really, <laughs> as short as she was in it, I actually really liked uh, uh, Boomer, uh, specifically Boomer. That one scene at the, at the table. Because again, it's sort of like, she's Boomer, you know? It mm-hmm. like, it's like, she's not, like, yes, she's Asylum, but it just sort of, points to that idea that she doesn't know she's the Cylon and it like, it shows you just the, the camaraderie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like all of that stuff. And it just, you know, for, for later, it's going to make us feel even worse. But even when the Cylon detector was brought up, she wasn't like, you know, do you don't think I'm a Cylon? Like, <laughs> like right. in the, like in the, the episode before, you know, like where she like couldn't keep it together, you know, it, yeah. she just, just chill and i just like so i thought i thought that was cool it's my favorite part that's my favorite version of her in this episode so yeah yeah same i wrote boomer um do you have anything else uh i do not um i'm really looking forward to next episode this is the traditionally the one that i you know said i almost cry on i i didn't realize it was gonna almost cry on this episode next episode a lot to talk about because it really gets into a lot of uh emotional territory um and then also there will be a rousing discussion of battlestar galactica 1980 <laughs> which um <laughs> even battlestar galactica fans don't want uh the original show uh battlestar galactica fans don't want to hear about because that show was terrible but Return of Starbuck was like probably like the best episode they had, and it's because Starbuck came back. Um, but we'll give a little background and stuff uh, to kind of set the context of it. And I think um, when we talk about it, it'll be really interesting to see how the, that uh, episode was replicated in um, uh, "You Can't Go Home Again." I think it's the name of the next uh, ep- uh, the next episode, Battlestar. It is uh, right. Next week, you can't go home again. Where Kara gets a pet. <laughs> is that the description that they have for it? No, it's what my description. Oh, that's what like. your description. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Kara gets a pet. Well, until then, what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya. <laughs>